this morning i want to talk to you a little bit about a very very important topic and that is uh, really around uh, uh, you know the the church governance or church leadership and it's really sort of uh, uh, you know uh, sort of a step that we are uh, a step in a long process where we want to as elders we've been working towards sort of formalizing the the leadership structures and the governance structures of cbf so we have now grown quite large and uh, obviously to manage a, a large congregation requires a, a lot of uh, help and a lot of work from a lot of people and uh, you know this church has actually been in existence now for 17 years okay it was started in 2002 based on what i'm told i was not here i've only been here for the last 10 years or so and uh, uh, certainly the lord has been good it's taken us taken the church through many many uh, seasons Uh, uh you know uh, good and not so good and ups and downs and and we are where we are today so uh, you know as we think about things like leadership or how the church should be run of course there are a lot of models out there there are a lot of thoughts there are a lot of theories there are a lot of books a lot of literature that try to propound uh, different ways of doing it you know that incorporate you know best practices from the corporate world and from uh different denominations and so on but of course we hold to the scriptures we hold to uh you know what the word of god teaches and that's where we need to always uh, go back so the scripture is to be the standard that one must turn to in all matters uh, regarding the church especially in the matter of the administration of the local church so as we go through scripture i'm not going to do a very comprehensive study of everything today we want to focus today on the function of deacons specifically but um, before we get into that uh, you know the uh, the the basic structure of the church that we find in scripture or church government that we find in scripture is uh, is consists of two parts one is a plurality of elders okay a plurality of elders so plurality just means uh, comes from the word plural which means more than one okay or many right more than one elder uh, not one elder but a plurality of elders and secondly deacon supporting those elders so i'm going to just turn to a few verses and i have designated uh, uh, jobin uh, who should be somewhere in the audience with a microphone yeah there you go very good uh, and he's going to just help me out today by reading these verses so jobin could you please read for us acts chapter 14 and verse 23 acts 14 and 23 Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each yep. church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put yeah. their trust. So Paul and Barnabas appointed what? Elders. Elders, okay? The plural, they appointed elders and they committed them to the Lord. Okay, Jobin uh, go to Acts 15 and verse 6. Acts 15 and verse 6 The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Yes, the apostles and the elders, okay? So it wasn't so at that time you had apostles, today we do not have apostles, right? They had apostles, they had elders, plural, right? And that was in the Jerusalem church. So the first instance there in Acts 14 was uh, Paul and Barnabas had gone out to the missionary field and they appointed elders in that that place or in those places. Here we are coming back to the original church in Jerusalem. So this is the practice that they had: is they had uh, apostles and then they had elders. And of course, the apostles sort of faded away with time as all of them died off, and then 
the practice of elders continued. And then one more verse, Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Titus 1 and verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. Yeah, hold on for a second. Okay, so Paul is talking to Titus here and he's telling him that I have left you in Crete, right, to straighten out some things that were not right. So there's some problems in this church and we'll see in a minute what the problem is. Yeah, keep reading. And appoint elders in every town as I had directed you. Yeah, so there are churches and assemblies in different towns in this island of Crete, right? And he was to go there and the thing that he was to straighten out and fix was the fact that these little churches did not have elders, right? And what is the word again? Read that again, uh, Jobin. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Elders in every town, right? So you can assume it was an assembly in every town or wherever there was a town with an assembly, uh, they were to go and appoint elders. He doesn't say an elder in each town, but elders in every town. So the scripture is quite clear that it is a plurality of elders. It's not one senior pastor, uh, you know, uh, running the church with uh, deputy and associate and assistant. And, you know, some churches I go to, they have uh, all kinds of different, uh, you know, associate pastor, assistant pastor, and actually, apparently, there's a difference between them. And it was explained to me by this one church I went to in another country as to what, what an associate is and what an assistant is. I'm not going to go there because I don't believe any of that is scriptural. Okay, so, uh, so we have the plurality of elders. So the basic scriptural structure of church government is a plurality of elders uh, and then the deacons supporting the elders. Okay, so I'm going to spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about the deacons uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes here. But let's just talk, before we go into that, what is the role of the elder? I think it's important that we understand the distinction between the role of an elder and a deacon. Okay, a deacon is not a junior elder. Okay, uh, but what are the role of the elders? So there are five things that you could uh, take from scripture. I'm not going to go to verses, but these are all, uh, you know, gleaned from scripture. So number one, the role of the elder is to lead the church, including the planning, planning a uh, including planning and setting the direction of the church, so to lead the church. Secondly, teaching. And that means not just uh, teaching the church themselves, which is certainly required. It is required in First Timothy 3. We find that the, one of the requirements for an elder, uh, which is a requirement for an elder and not for a deacon, is that they should be uh, able to teach. So they are to teach themselves, but also set the direction for the overall teaching of the church. It's number two, leading, teaching. Third, shepherding. Right, that's the pastoral care, the counseling, and then the most painful part of being an elder is to administer discipline uh, in the church when it is required. So, leading, teaching, shepherding. Fourthly, protecting. Right, protecting from the dangers both without and dangers within. False doctrines, uh, wrong teachings, uh, worldly philosophies that can come into the church and pollute the minds of the believers and take them astray. So, elders are to protect. So leading, teaching, shepherding, protecting, and the fifth one is equipping. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So that's what elders are supposed to do. That is what is spelled out in scripture. Now when we come to the matter of deacons, the number of direct references to the office of the deacons in the scriptures is somewhat limited, but uh, there are sufficient guidelines that have been outlined in, uh, in several verses 
uh, about deacons. So we're going to just look at that and I want to look at seven, seven things, seven factors regarding uh, deacons that we see uh, in scripture. Okay, so number one uh, is uh, simply this, that the scripture advocates the office of a deacon. And as I'll, you'll, I'll talk about in a minute, the word deacon comes from a Greek word called diakonos, which basically means servant, right? So, you know, uh, the word itself just means servant, someone, a person who serves. Uh, but beside that, you know, there are a lot of people who serve and, you know, from a just a, a, a word perspective or a language usage perspective, you could say that they are all deacons or they are doing the work of a deacon, right? They are serving the church. But there is also specifically an office of the deacon that we find called out in scripture. And we're going to look at those. Uh, so uh, if you just do a casual reading of a few verses, it's very clear that scripture advocates the office of deacons. Could we turn to Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 please and read that. Philippians 1 and 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, mm-hmm. together with the overseers, overseers and deacons. And deacons, okay. So in that church in Philippi, you had overseers. Overseer is just another word for elders. And there was an office of deacons, again, plural, right? There were plural elders and plural deacons in Philippians. Now, we just read, uh, Shashank read for us the passage in First Timothy 3, verses 8 to 13, which makes it even more clear that there is an office of the deacons and it gives an indication of how they are to be appointed. We'll come back to that. Okay, and then uh, let's go to Romans 16 and 1. Romans 16, 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Cancria. A servant, yeah. I yeah. think uh, the word there, servant, in some translations, it's, it's the same word, diakonos, okay, in Greek. And it actually is translated in some translations as a deaconess. Right, because Phoebe was a woman. So I commend to your sister Phoebe, a servant of the church or a deaconess of the church of Kenkrea. Now, we'll come back to this matter of women as deacons a little later, but just keep that thought. The point here I'm trying to make is simply this, that the scripture advocates that there is, in addition to the office of an elder, there is an office uh, of deacon, okay, or deacons uh, in the plural. So that's number one. Scripture advocates it. Uh, point number two, um, the role of deacons can be clearly, the role of a deacon can be clearly seen in scripture. Okay, so uh, although the word, we're going to go to a passage here. Jobin, you can turn to Acts chapter 6, right? Now, though, though this, this passage itself does not mention the word uh, deacon, uh, but it helps to put, uh, to give us an understanding of the deacon's role. So could you read Acts 6 verses 1-4, please? In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry mm. of the word. So here is the situation. You have the early church, right? Made up of the apostles, led by the apostles. And we read later in Acts 15, the elders uh, of the church there in Jerusalem. And they had a problem. There was a problem here uh, where, you know, if you remember, 
in Acts, uh, early part of Acts, it says that they were all together and they ate together and they shared together and there was a lot of togetherness and a lot of fellowship and apparently one of the things they did there was that they had a daily meal that they were giving out to those who needed a meal. Perhaps they couldn't have a meal on their own. Uh, and there was a dispute that came up between, um, you know, it says by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. So you had two groups of people here. One was sort of the Greek Jews, the, the, the diaspora who had sort of gone away. They had come back on the day of Pentecost. They had gotten saved. You know, and then there were the, the regular Hebrews from the land there. And there was a bit of a dispute, maybe a little favoritism or at least a perception of favoritism there. And uh, the apostles were getting dragged into this problem, trying to resolve this problem. And you can always, if as many problems as many of us have dealt with and deal with day to day, we know how time-consuming that can be. And so this is the first instance we see where, uh, where there is this concept of deacons or servants of the church coming into play. And it's very early in the, in the life of the church. The church had just been, uh, you know, just come into existence. And we see here that they say, you know, let us pick out for ourselves, okay, and, you know, by some logic, they came up with the number seven. I don't think we can need to read anything into seven. Um, but seven men, and gives their qualifications, we'll come back to that later. We will appoint to this duty. So we are going to appoint these seven men, and we are going to put them in charge of the meal distribution to make sure that everyone is treated fairly and no one is, you know, given preference over somebody else so that there's no issues, no problems, and the problems are all sorted out. But, and then he says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the deacons here, or these servants, were being appointed to reduce the load of the apostles and the elders by serving the church in various capacities. And they helped the elders to focus on what they should. Those five things I talk about, shepherding the flock, teaching the flock, and so on, praying and, and the ministry of the word. So, uh, so this, this is why where we see that the role of the deacon is very clearly presented to us in scripture, that they are to be there as a help to the elders, to free them up, to take care of the, the very important functions uh, and role that God has given uh, to the elders. So that's number two. The role of a deacon can be clearly seen in scripture. So the office uh, of, this, of the deacon is advocated in scripture. The role of the deacon uh, can be clearly seen in scripture. Let's talk about the responsibilities now. Point number three, the responsibilities of deacons. Now, they are somewhat indicated in scripture, but not very specifically outlined. So, uh, you know, you can look at various things that what deacons did here, we see them doing sort of the work of serving the tables and, and later on we see other things. But uh, if you look at, in our church, some of the areas in which the deacons may serve, uh, serve by doing these things, taking care of these things so that the elders are, are, are not loaded with uh, sort of the run-of-the-mill run daily kind of things, uh, the, the things to take care of in the church. Some of the areas, and I'll just, just list out a few, uh, one would be in the area of finances. Another one would be legal issues. So we are actually a legal entity. We are a trust, a religious trust registered under the laws of the land. Uh, so there are you know, registration, paperwork, things that have to be done. You've got to file your taxes and all these kind of things, taking care of things like that, taking care of logistics like setup, ushering, uh, things that happen on a routine basis. You know, we have a lot of setup that has to happen here, um, you know, every Sunday morning to get this place. It doesn't magically appear. You know, some of you come in at, uh, you know, 
nine, maybe after 9, and you always see everything is set up. Okay, you should come here at 8.30, and you'll find that there's nothing here. Okay, so there are brothers who come and take that responsibility and engage others in that task, the logistics, um, taking care of the material properties of the church. You know, we have, although we don't have a property with a building, but we have certain things that we own. They need to be taken care of. This, these are the work of deacons. Ministry to the sick and the weak and organizing help to church members in crises. You know, maybe somebody has a medical need. Maybe somebody has a financial need. You know, organizing the believers, informing them to take care of these things. Coordination of various events and programs, of the things that we hold, like we had a baptism yesterday, you know, taking care of all of the arrangements for that. These are all things that the elders should not be burdened with every detail. They provide direction and the deacons take care of it. Ministries to various groups, focus groups, the children's groups, the college groups, the cell groups, things like that. And then, of course, uh, you know, along with all of these things, you know, being engaged in, in discipling, deeper discipling and counseling of people in the church. So these are just some of the functions that, um, that though they're not all in detail outlined in Scripture, these are responsibilities of deacons that are indicated in Scripture. Uh, and uh, those are just a list of things that I applied within the context of our own church. So that's number three, the responsibilities of deacons. Point number four uh, is that the Scripture is explicit, very explicit, about the qualifications of a deacon. Okay, so the qualifications of deacons are outlined in two passages, which we'll look at, 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 12, and Acts 6, 3. So I just want to, uh, before we go into that, I want to uh, just give a word of caution, and that is that, you know, when we look at these qualifications, you know, you have qualifications for elders, qualifications for deacons, um, you know, we need to understand that these are standards uh, that they are set forth. It's not that, People have to be perfect in all of these things, but directionally as we look at their life, we have to be able to witness these things and, and, and know that directionally they are, they are in the right place. So we're just going to look at uh, some of these uh, qualities or, or qualifications rather. And uh, Jobin, can you start reading again that, uh, uh, read from Acts 6 and verse 3. Acts 6 and verse 3. Very Brothers, strong. choose seven men mm. from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and yeah, wisdom. Stop. Full of the Spirit, okay? And that's obviously the Holy Spirit, right? So a deacon must be controlled and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. His character and conduct must show the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, keep going. Full spirit of the Spirit and wisdom. And wisdom, yeah. We will tell this responsibility. Yeah, just, just stop there. Uh, full of the Spirit and wisdom, right? So he has to have the wisdom to evaluate a situation biblically and the skill to help people serve in the church effectively. And uh, what was the beginning of that verse, Jobin? Verse 3? Yeah. Brothers, choose seven men from among you mm. who are known to be full of yes. the Spirit and wisdom. Who are known to be full of the Spirit, right? And uh, there's an implication there. And if I look at my, uh, my new King James, it says, uh, seek out uh, from among you seven men of reputation, all right, of good reputation. So, they must have a good testimony with people, both inside and outside the church. So people should commend them for their honesty, for their faithfulness, for their, um, uh, you know, for their love, for their good behavior. Right? And then uh, they should also be dignified and sober-minded. Right? So, so there it says good uh, reputation, uh, you know, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Okay? 
Now let's go over to um, let's go over to First uh, uh, Timothy chapter three and start reading at verse eight, and we see another list. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect. Yeah, sincere. worthy of respect and sincere. Okay, so the the you know the 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 older versions, older translations say they should not be double tongued. Okay, they should not say one thing from one side and say something else from the other. So there should be people who say the truth, okay, not people who gossip. Uh, so go ahead, keep reading. They should be sincere. Sincere, not indulging in much wine. Yeah, not addicted to wine. So they shouldn't be, you know, people who are drunk, okay, uh, or have an addiction to wine. And you can expand that to other, you know, bad addictions, things that are not good for you. Yeah, keep going. And not pursuing dishonest gain. Yeah, not greedy and not pursuing dishonest gain. Okay, very clear. I don't think that needs any explanation. Keep going. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith yeah. with a clear conscience. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. So, although it doesn't say that deacons have to have uh, the ability to teach, which is a very explicit qualification for elders... Okay, but they must understand doctrine, okay, biblical doctrine, Christian doctrine, and obey it with a good conscience. So they must hold the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Yes, keep going. They must first be tested, mm. and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Yeah, keep going. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, mm-hmm. not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Yeah, keep going. A deacon must be the husband of yeah, but one should wife. Should be a husband of one wife. So he is somebody who is a, the 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 word in the Greek is it's a one woman man. Okay, a one woman man, a husband of one wife. So he's somebody who is faithful to his wife uh, and takes care of his wife. Okay, uh, keep going. And must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance yeah, in their faith in Christ Jesus. There. He must be someone who rules his own home well. So he has a good family life, a stable family life. Uh, He gets honor from his wife and his children. He teaches his children the word of God and obedience and he provides for the needs of the home. Now, uh, Jobin, go back and read that chapter about the uh, the verse about the wives. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious stalkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So it is desirable that the uh, that a deacon has a godly wife. Okay, and I just want to spend a a, a minute on this. So uh, now this particular verse there, okay, the verse that uh, that says, uh, let me find it here, verse uh, yeah, verse eleven. Their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, um, temperate, faithful in all things. Okay. So if I look at my, my translation, I use the New King James, you know, the there, okay, the there, there, T-H-E-I-R, uh, is in italics, which means it's something the translator has added into, you know, to bring context, okay? So that's not in the original. So it's actually, is the, the, the original says, likewise, wives. Now that word, wives, in the Greek, it's, uh, it's the same word, why, or that's translated wives, it can also be translated women, there is no distinction okay so there is a lot of discussion a lot of debate and we are not going to resolve the debate here today uh, on what exactly he's talking about here because it's a little unusual uh, because see here when you look at the elders there's a parallel you know first eight uh, seven 
uh, verses are about elders, and there it doesn't say anything about the women or the wives. It only says that the elder has to be the husband of one one wife, right, or one woman. Um, and uh, but here it starts talking about wives or about women. So the debate is really this: that you know, does it really refer to the deacons' wives, or does it refer to um, you know women who were deacons, you know, doing that work of service for other women in the church? It could be either. Uh, I don't think that's very clear. I think you could go either way. Uh, so the original would say the women likewise must be dignified. Okay. Now, so like I said, some have added the adjective there to the original text, but that's not in the original. So you could debate that point. We're not going to debate it uh, other than to say that there certainly scripture seems to indicate when you look at the Phoebe example and you look at this verse and how it could be interpreted that there certainly scripturally there, sh- there is room for for women to be recognized as performing a deacon ministry among other women, okay? Uh, I don't believe, we don't believe that would be unscriptural. Now, what we're going to do about it as a church, I'll talk about a little later, okay? Um, So, uh, all that said, all that said, it follows logically that a deacon's wife must be dignified, temperate, not slanderous, and faithful in all things. So, certain certain, uh, basic qualities should be there, in their wives. But I just want to clarify one thing uh, regarding the role of wives of elders and deacons, okay? So, um, you know, scripture does not provide for a specific role for the wife of an elder, okay? So, for example, if you are, you are an elder, if a man is an elder, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that his wife becomes the elder of the women, okay? There, there is no such role provided for, okay? It's not, an, there's no elders or whatever people... Uh, come up with all kinds of terms, okay? Uh, There is no requirement in scripture that says an elder's wife has to be gifted in any particular way, okay? So ministry among women are to be led by women who are gifted for that purpose, for the purpose of that ministry, working under the authority of the elders, directly working under the authority of the elders. So such women may or may not be wives of elders or wives of deacons, okay? So we need to just understand that, that there is no particular requirement that, you know, if somebody has to be an elder, his wife must also be, you know, knowledgeable in the scriptures and able to teach and able to do this and that and involved in all these ministries. That's always a good thing for anybody, regardless of whether you're a wife of an elder or not. Uh, but that is not a requirement in scripture that we, that we find in scripture. So I just want to make that clear. Okay. So those are the qualifications. That's point number four. Uh, the qualifications of, uh, of, um, uh, of, uh, Deacons. So let's move on. So both the election of deacons by the full number of disciples as well as direct appointment of deacons are seen in scripture as valid procedure for choosing a deacon. So how do you choose a deacon? So in Acts 6, we find that the disciples, the full number of them got together and chose them. But in 1 Timothy and Titus, we find that it was either Timothy or Titus being told to appoint uh, deacons in the church. Okay, so that's number five. Number six. Very quickly, uh, uh, Jobin read this. Jobin, can you read verse 10, 1 Timothy 3? They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against Mm. them, let them serve as deacons. So they must first be tested, they must be tried out. So there's no detail of the procedure of testing or any such thing that's been laid out. Okay, And then finally, number 7, my last point, the rewards for... Well-serving deacons, what are they? Uh, Jobin, can you read the last uh, verse there, verse 13? Those who have served well 
gain an excellent standing and great mm. assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So we see two rewards there, right? The rewards for a deacon who serves well. Um, you know, in 1 Timothy 3.13. One, a good standing, right? So definitely implying a good standing among believers. And number two, great confidence in the faith in, in their faith in Jesus Christ. So f- confidence in the doctrines. So the, the, the increased confidence, uh, it might propel one to have the ability to teach as well. So they gain confidence by being in this office, by doing certain things, by, by, uh, by serving the church uh, in a formal way. So both these rewards are meant to bring glory to the Lord. A deacon with a better standing is able to serve the church better and a deacon with great confidence in the faith is able to serve the Lord with godly sincerity and also to impart that confidence to those around him. So those, that is what we find as far as the teaching of deacons in scripture. And I hope that going through that quickly uh, will clarify to many of you, uh, you know, what the scripture teaches about deacons. Now I want to come back to one point that I said I'll talk about later and that has to do with, um, with women. As I said, you know, we always go back, we need to go back to scripture, okay? Many of us have been brought up with certain traditions and practices and uh, taboos and all of these kind of things. You know, we as a church, we, we, we are sensitive to that, okay? We want to keep that in mind. Uh, we don't want to rock the boat or cause a revolution, uh, but we, uh, we also want to be faithful to scripture. So, uh, so we believe that while scripture does, uh, does provide for this, um, you know, we've looked at our own church situation and and at this point, we believe that it's not wise for us to have sisters as deacons. And I'll just give you some of the reasons. Uh, number one, the churches that most of us have been associated with have not had deaconesses or a women deacon role or an office. So we don't need to be challenged to think otherwise at this point. Secondly, there's a lot of confusion that has crept into Christianity with a lot of unscriptural views okay, around the role of women. And, uh, you know, in this context, we want to be very cautious what we do. Thirdly, um, you know, we don't believe and we know this to be a fact through our own conversations that our sisters are really mentally prepared to, uh, to be acknowledged publicly in this way. So although the church is not recognizing women as deacons, the elders are aware of those sisters who function as such and the church will continue to appreciate and encourage these sisters to continue with the good work that they are doing. 